It's draft week, and I got somebody who will be on the desk for ESPN on their draft coverage. Jay Billis talking about these prospects, who's going to be in the lottery, and who the Jazz may select with one of their three picks. 9, 16, 28. It's Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, NMLS number 3112, equal housing lender. Jay Billis, coming up, Bart Taylor, Vice President of Player Personnel. He's the one who schedules these workouts, gets people into the building, has been scouting these guys his entire year, is on multiple timelines, so I don't even know how he keeps that straight in his brain. He's about a decade into drafts. He's been doing 10 of them, and so you'll hear from him on Wednesday. But today it's Jay Billis, and this draft already had intrigue. Victor Wembanyama, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson. It's already a really intriguing draft. And then Bradley Beal gets traded, and the Wizards are at eight, right ahead of the Jazz. What are they going to do? That's the big question. And I wonder how it affects things because that's an all-time bad trade by the Wizards and the Suns. I don't think the Suns are going to be great because the new CBA is going to kneecap them with all the rules that they're going to have to deal with. You're going to be in the bargain bin trying to find really good players to play for cheap. But that's Phoenix's deal. Washington has eight. You wonder if they want to jump up, jump up further. And I understand why they made the trade. I had a crazy Wizards rant on Jazz postgame one time. I think I played it on the podcast. But I understand why they did it. Because you can't have Beal, who isn't available, isn't top class, isn't a top 15 player, isn't going to get you into the playoffs. And that's after they had a good year from Chris Depps Porzingis and a good year from Kyle Kuzma. And Beal still isn't available enough and ultimately just doesn't get it done. So I get why they had to move on. It's an albatross of a contract, and that's why it didn't yield what the Jazz got last summer. That's why you really have to appreciate what they got. First-rounders, salary cap flexibility this season, they're not going to be in trouble with the CBA, the new one. Talked about it with Bobby Marks. Draft, develop, retain. Drafts on Thursday. Five stars, nice reviews, that's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Jay Billis on the podcast, talking about the draft, the lottery, his top 10, and wrapping up with Wojo. He has experience, you know, just a couple Duke guys yucking it up. Jay Billis gives his take on Steve Wojciechowski as the new Salt Lake City Stars head coach and the NBA draft. We'll be back on Wednesday. Please enjoy a man I truly respect on the draft, it's Jay Billis, the Billistrator, on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com.
so how many times this Thursday are you going to say wingspan for this draft class? As many times as I can. I, I expect uh, it's a drinking game now, so uh, I expect the nation to be liquored up by the end. So take the over if you're playing the wingspan drinking game. Walker Kessler, seven foot four wingspan. His rookie year was very impressive for the Jazz. Lands him a spot on Team USA coming up for the World Cup. What have you made of Walker Kessler's rookie season and how his expectations were last year when he was drafted? I think he's probably exceeded expectations early uh, because, you know, anytime you transition to the NBA, you don't know if it's going to be right away, but he was productive right away because of the the things he brought into uh, the draft and the NBA that he can, um, you know, he's mobile, he can block shots, he can rebound, he can run the floor. And his offense is, uh, is going to continue to mature, I believe, because he's got the ability I think he has the ability to step away and shoot it and stretch the floor a little bit. It's something he's going to have to continue to work on. Uh, and, and I think he'll get better, but his mechanics are good. He's got a, a really good feel. Um, so I'm, I've always been a big fan of Walker Kessler's from the time he was at North Carolina uh, before he went to Auburn. Uh, he's a very talented player that has a, I mean, we thought he had a huge upside in the draft and I think he's, he's proven that. I was surprised by feel for the game because the shot blocking was clear. His shot block percentage in the college game was one of the best in college basketball history. But knowing when to pass out of the post was the biggest surprise for me. Uh, How difficult is it for a big to come into the NBA and immediately contribute to winning basketball? I think it's difficult for any young player to come in and contribute to winning basketball in the NBA. But, but Walker has been well-trained. He comes from a basketball family. Um, he didn't play as much as a freshman as he would have had he gone somewhere else just because of the personnel uh, ahead of him when he was at North Carolina. Had he stayed, uh, he would have been just as productive in a Carolina uniform. But um, I thought he was in, in Bruce Pearl's system at Auburn. He was really effectively used, uh, not only uh, out top, where you know they ran their flex action he was really really good in that but in screen roll situations and uh and and bruce allowed him to step away and and shoot it from time to time um it wasn't you know it was something he's still developing but you know the other stuff he does he does at an elite level and i think when you have an elite skill like shot blocking rebounding being able to be a good rim runner and a lob threat uh, even if the offense doesn't come along that's incredibly valuable in and of itself Ochai Abaji also contributed to winning. We saw Christian Brown, in his college teammate in the NBA Finals, do pretty well. What is it about those two Kansas players that set themselves apart and did some good things at the NBA level? Well, both of them allowed themselves time to mature as players. I don't think either were prepared early on to make that jump, but they waited until they were prepared. And I think both... Uh, Abaji and Brown, uh, Brown show that um, you don't have to be a superstar to to be a, a valuable piece in a, a winning organization. And both of them are just that. They're valuable assets and valuable pieces. But neither one are, are all-star players. But, um, but who cares? I mean, they, they, can, they can play. And, you know, you get them late in the first round and 
those are really important pieces. I mean, Miami shown with the number of undrafted free agents that there are, there are players out there that contribute to winning that aren't necessarily superstar caliber players. And that's not a knock on them. Um, everybody's looking for a superstar. That'd be nice if you could find them a lot easier, but uh, there are a lot of players outside the lottery that uh, that have long and really productive NBA careers. And those are, those are two of them that if they stay healthy, will do that. Jazz have a pick in the lottery, picks outside the lottery, 9, 16, 28. How do you think that this draft can go about helping their rebuild? Well, there are a lot of good players available uh, in the first round. And, and there, are some, there are some good pieces available in the second round as well. And, and I think there'll be a, a number of players that don't get drafted that their phones will be ringing as soon as the draft ends um, because they're, they're capable of playing in the NBA and contributing. Uh, so, you know, I, whether it's number nine or 16, whatever it is, there are going to be players available that, that can help. Absolutely love Anthony Black. He was great in Maui in transition, the hit ahead passes, the fact that he can go out in the break. He has a really electric game at the point guard position, which is a hole for the Jazz right now. What have you seen from Anthony Black in his year? Well, he's got size. Uh, he's got a really strong lower base. He's a he's a good athlete. I wouldn't call him a, a superior athlete, but he's a really good athlete. But he's very skilled. Uh, he can handle it as a point guard. He's an excellent passer that can see over the top of defenders, uh, and he can get to the basket. Um, good passer, and I think he's a a very good defender. Um, you know, he doesn't have great length. Some of these these guys, his size have have length to seven feet he's more his length more fits his size but it's still it's still good enough and uh, uh, the one thing he lacks is the consistent shooting piece and he's going to have to develop that um, I think he can because he's got a good touch and a good feel uh, but his mechanics aren't where they need to be and his consistency isn't where it needs to be but um, I, I honestly I'd be a little surprised if he were still available at nine but um, but could very well be. Uh, there are a number of players that I think not, they're not interchangeable. But you know, in an eye of the beholder situation, you could see somebody. You know, somebody may value um, Asar Thompson or something like that ahead of Anthony Black. But I, I think I think there's a very good chance he gets drafted in the top six or seven. Well, and it seems for the guards, at least at the top, that shooting is a bit of a, the issue for most of them, whether it's scoot or the thompsons that shooting has been the one thing lacking between them yes and there are a number of prospects that are highly highly coveted uh in the lottery that that's what they're lacking is shooting and in a league that values shooting above uh, all else right now um you know that's problematic you know you're you're making a an educated guess will they be able to develop this you know scoot henderson six two long-armed and and really dynamic with the ball can really get downhill and get to the rim and finish um he has not proven to be a a, a focused defender although i think he can be a, a a very good defender um and he rebounds his position um you know he was more productive in the g league than jalen green was in his time there but but he doesn't shoot it and and the thompson twins don't shoot it um they don't shoot particularly well from the free throw line uh, they're in the mid-60s, both of them. 
Um, so they're going to have to develop those things. But all these players are young. And uh, and some players, you know, really make big jumps in their ability to shoot the ball. Um, there are others that don't. But uh, but I think I think the, they're capable of doing that. But you'd rather would you rather have you know someone like Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State? But you you don't have to question whether you can shoot it. Um, you know that that's the you know that's the the luxury. That's what you would want is somebody who's already got that piece. How do you go about comparing the different leagues that these players are coming from? Whether it's overseas G League overtime elite now jumping into the fold and then the college basketball game well college basketball the the scouts have been evaluating that their whole careers so i think they know what they're looking at and uh and you tend to to look more towards the better competition that players face brandon miller of alabama is an example of that i think he's going to be taken number two but could very well be number three who knows with between him him and scoot henderson but his numbers drop significantly when he's against top 50 competition. Uh, the G league competition is really good uh, overseas. You know, it's, it's young players playing against men. Uh, overtime elite is a little bit different, but um, you know, really it's about evaluating the particular talent. Uh, and it's certainly, it's easier when you see him playing against the best competition. Uh, it's a little bit more problematic uh, scouting overtime elite just like it was scouting high school games. But, you know, it doesn't take a genius sometimes. If you scouted Zion Williamson in high school, I think you're pretty sure that he's going to do okay. And uh, and I think that's probably true of the the Thompsons. Um, so I don't think overtime elite is going to be a, a, any sort of hindrance in, uh, in their being evaluated properly. I, th- I think, you know, the one thing about, we can all differ about, well, I think this player's better, that player's better. Um, there's never been anybody who's done this evaluation process that hasn't made significant mistakes in, uh, in trying to project someone out. And that's really what this is about is you're projecting out young players, not, not what they are, but where they're going to be. And if you looked at in the old days, if you looked at, um, you know, these high picks when they came out as seniors, what you would have to do is say, what would I have thought when this player was a freshman? Cause that's what we're looking at now. You're looking at 18 year olds, 19 year olds. And it's substantially different. And I always use the example of Grant Hill. You know, if you looked at Grant Hill as a, as a freshman, you'd say, he can't shoot it. Well, he could as a senior. And, uh, and that's, that's sort of the thing. You have to project a player out. And that's where, where it becomes more difficult and problematic to get it right all the time. Now, let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. the most trouble in your top 10 that's the most difficult to evaluate um it's not 
difficult to evaluate, like difficult to project. Um, yeah, the Thompsons, but they're freak athletes. And, and uh, you know, I don't think you pass on freaks uh, if you can, can avoid it. Um, you know, Bryce Sensabaugh has been one because of the, the defensive side. He, he's not a good defender. He didn't, he didn't defend very well last year at Ohio State, and that's the reason he wasn't starting for a period of time because his offense is so valuable. He can, he's a bucket getter. And the other is probably Grady Dick of Kansas because, uh, you know, shooting offense, you're not questioning it. Uh, you do question a little bit uh, on the defensive end. You know, he, he was targeted at Kansas. You know, teams went after him, uh, but he's just a freshman. And so uh, I think he can get that, but he's not, uh, he's not a superior athlete with his lateral quickness and strength defensively. But I think he's going to get better at that, and uh, and he'll be. I think he's going to be a, a, a very good NBA player. What keeps you on the floor? Because I have that same concern about Grady Dick. Watching him against Texas, I think they went pretty NBA in that they target him, uh, go high pick and roll, and get him onto a switch and just go at him. What can keep him on the floor as he develops better defensively? Well, handling that stuff better, you know, he needs to get stronger. Uh, he needs to improve his, uh, and I think you can, to an extent, improve and use your athleticism. He's a good athlete, uh, but he's not, he's not super quick laterally. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be one of these lockdown defenders. That's not the goal, but you want to make it to where he's not a target and, uh, and, and he can hang out there, um, but he's going to be a target early. And, uh, and he's going to have to work his way through it. But, you know, the, the, the fact that he can shoot it, you know, allows whoever drafts him, allows that team to, to stretch a defense. And, uh, uh, you know, as long as he gets more than he gives up, um, that's a good thing. Uh, but, but you'd like him to get way more than he gives up. Taylor Hendricks, who I'm sure you're familiar because of his coach, Johnny Dawkins. What stands out about him after a really good freshman year? He wasn't considered a, a lottery talent when he came out of high school, but because he is, uh, you know, six nine and lengthy, and he can he, terrific catch and shoot big guys. So he's a, you know, prototypical stretch four in the NBA. Uh, rebounds, especially offensive rebounds, at a high rate, and uh, and he can protect the rim. Uh, you know, he's not he's not a big time shot blocker, but but he's very good defensively at the four spot. He can switch. He can move. Uh, very good athletically, but the fact that that he can really shoot it uh, allows him to uh, you know really camp out on that three point line as a catch and shoot threat. Uh, he's not one that's going to create right now his own offense. He's not a shot creator, but he's a shot maker, and uh, and that's going to draw opposing big guys away from the basket uh, because they're going to have to honor that shot. Cam Whitmore out of Villanova is somebody that is rising up dra draft boards um, as we speak, seemingly. Uh, what stands about about his game? He's not rising up mine. I've had him fourth overall from the beginning. Um, he is a physical specimen and uh, a downhill driver that really attacks the rim. And he had a he had a season where he wasn't healthy all the time. And that made it difficult for him because he was in and out of the lineup. But when he was in the lineup, he was really productive. And uh, uh, I think he is one of those players that he's not shooting is not his strength, but he can, I think he can shoot it. 
And, uh, and, but, you know, he's a powerful athletic, you know, downhill driver that uh, he's got an NBA body. He's got an NFL body right now. Um, so I, I, I've rated him number four uh, behind, uh, you know, Victor and uh, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. Uh, he, he's legit. He's really, really talented. Jairus Walker seems in a similar mold. Um, what gives Whitmore the edge? They play, they're kind of different positions. Um, Whitmore is more of a, a strong wing. I think Walker projects more as a stretch four. Uh, and Walker is a really good rebounder um, and uh, very good along the baseline. That was actually uh, where he was at his best at, at Houston was along the baseline. But, uh, you know, really good shooting touch, uh, big and strong um, and very competitive. Uh, you know, if you play for Kelvin Sampson, you're gonna have to rebound and defend both of those things. He does, uh, a good rim protector. Um, you know, he's got a lot of ability and, uh, you know, between him and, uh, look, I, I think that he has a lot of talent and, uh, and his powerful frame makes him really attractive, but between him and Taylor Hendricks, I think Hendricks is a better shooter. But uh, uh, but Walker can shoot it. You know, it's not that he can't shoot it; he can shoot it. But but I think I, I would project Hendricks as a better shooter. How good is Victor? I asked somebody earlier this year, "What is Victor?" And they said, "I don't know." And you wouldn't know too if you watched him because that would be putting a ceiling on what he can do. How do you see Victor in the type of talent that San Antonio is getting at one? I don't know that there's a word. For him that encapsulates what he's capable of because he you know transformational gets used a lot I, I will tell you this that i've thought about this a lot that if if you took victor and lebron james and put them in the same draft at age 18 19 uh i can't remember whether lebron was 18 or 19 i think he was 18 but we come out of high school back then in 03 but if you could somehow dismiss what lebron did after the draft which is hard to do um you know, what would you do? Would you take him or Victor in today's game? And I think it would be a really hard choice. That That's how talented this guy is. And he is singularly unique. Um, I've never seen anything like him before. You know, 7-4, uh, fluid, handles the ball like a guard, uh, shoots it. Um, even though he only shot around 30% in the French League from three-point, uh, his stroke is is outstanding. He shoots like 84% from the free throw line. Um, his productivity is a shot blocker, rebounder. Um, he's a range shot blocker. You know, he can switch off onto a guard and stay six feet off him, take away the drive and still recover and, and block the shot out of the air uh, or certainly bother it. Uh, and, you know, his strides are so long. I mean, he can he can pivot at the top of the key, take one step and get to the basket with his length and and how long his strides are. Uh, the only the only comparison I've I've come up with because um, I'm not very good at comparisons was if Ralph Sampson was born 19 years ago. That I think Ralph Sampson would be a little bit like this because you know Ralph was born when I was three years before I was, but in an era where you went to practice and they said, all right, big guys down here, guards down here, and the big guys worked on back to the basket stuff. They wouldn't let them handle the ball or do the things that Victor is allowed to and encouraged to do. You know, the idea uh, 40, 50 years ago 
of of coaches saying, uh, hey, you know, seven four guy, bring the ball up, or seven four guy, handle the ball in pick and roll situations. That that would never happen. Uh, but now it's it's happening, and who knows? Maybe they'll be more like him after after Victor. But there's nobody like him right now. What was the hoopla of covering LeBron at that time when he was a high schooler, and compare it to what you're seeing from Victor now? Nothing. Well, Victor being a foreign player, it it hasn't been as intense. You know, LeBron was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in '02 or whatever it was, going into the '03 draft. Uh, ESPN was putting his high school games on television at that time. I did two of them. Um, and I had never seen a high school player like that. Um, watched him since he was a sophomore, I think at camps during the summer, ABCD camp, all that stuff, you know, that battle he had with Lenny cook and T-neck. I was there for that. Um, I, it was more intense with LeBron because he was here. And uh, uh, so I think if Victor, you know, played at St. Vincent, St. Mary, we'd have the same kind of thing. He's a little bit more to most people in mystery. I get a lot of people asking me questions about, is he really this good? And you're like, call it up on YouTube, man. He really is. I mean, your, your eyes aren't deceiving you. And it would be kind of like if somebody said, all right, describe Usain Bolt. You go, oh, he's really quick out of the blocks and his form is really good. And he's got really good. Who cares? I mean, look at the final product. Um, all you have to do is watch it and you're going, man, if, if this guy stays healthy uh, and, and his durability is good, which it, it, he's shown no indication that it, it hasn't been or won't be. Um, it's sort of a can't miss situation. And it's going to be a quick start to the wingspan conversation on the broadcast coverage, I'm sure. Yeah, he's got close to eight feet. Out of the blocks, wingspan on the drinking game. Before I let you go, Steve Wojciechowski is the new Salt Lake City Stars head coach of the G League crew in this organization. What are the Stars getting in Steve Wojciechowski? They're getting a basketball lifer that is uh, ultra competitive, really knowledgeable, and and a guy that has humility. Um, so, and that's a good combination to be really good at what you do, and uh, and realize it's not all about you. Um, Steve is a good friend. I've known him since he was a freshman at Duke and, uh, and just an unbelievably good guy. Um, you know, he's been living the last year or two in Park City, Utah, uh, with his wife and family and, uh, just an outstanding coach and, uh, and a, a super good guy. So I'm, I'm really happy for him and really happy for the jazz franchise. They, they have him in their organization. And I'm sure one of these draft picks, their journey may run through the, the G League. It may not be how you envisioned it, but that's a good proving ground for young players to start their careers, don't you think? Yeah, it's a great option. Um, you know, I still think college is the best option for any young person, but everybody's different. And the G League has put out a lot of really good players and will continue to do so. Um, you know, you go to the G League, you're playing all day and, and you're working with NBA coaches and NBA systems. So it's a, it can be a good leg up and, and they, the, the, you know, the NBA people see you all the time. Uh, so, you know, they're not, they're not having to hoof it to different locations to see you. Um, they see you all the time. And uh, so it's a good option, but all these things, you know, it's not, none of these options, whether it's overtime elite or college or Europe or anything like that, none of them are a hindrance. Maybe maybe 30 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, it might have might have been difficult or 
more difficult, but now it's it's all the same. I mean, wherever the talent is, the NBA finds it, and uh, and so that's that's no longer a concern. It's just what's best for the individual, and and every individual is different. We will see the ESPN's coverage of the draft on Thursday with this man, college basketball analyst for the mothership, Jay Billis, on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Jay, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you.